Revelation chapter 3, Jesus continues his letters to these churches. Look at verse 1 there, the church in Sardis. We're going to hit two churches today, Sardis and Philadelphia. Sardis, the first church. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I've not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. And if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few times and a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Don't give up yet. Keep listening. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? The words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon, amen. Hold fast that what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven. In my own new name, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Guys, I, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, what's the, what's the word for us? And we kind of see like a like a, a juxtaposition of two churches, right? You got one here and one here. And, and one's not doing that great. And the other one is. And I, and I think as I read this, and I didn't even catch this this week, just, I, I, just in the reading right now, how alive is the Word of God? But I'm reading through this just now. And the word that stuck out to me or the phrase is, I know. <laughs> Have we forgotten that God knows our hearts, that he knows our thoughts, that he knows our deeds? I think sometimes we're, we're really lax in the church or we're lax in our own spiritual lives and we know that God knows, but we just don't care. We know that we don't study the word of God like we should. We know that we don't pray like we should. And we know that he knows, but we just don't care. What does that say about us? That it doesn't break our hearts that we're not 
striving to live for him closer and closer each and every day. The fickle and the faithful. You got the church in Sardis. And I had some pictures. I think I posted up there. Here's the church in Sardis. If you want to see what it looks like, it was one of the more impressive churches. Uh, and I say that it's, it's lying in ruins, but it had some really cool walls left. How would you guys like to go there and worship? This is the actual sanctuary, the church in Sardis. Beautiful. Uh, if you can look at the floors, I think I got a picture right after this. It's a large building. That's what they did their floors in. This is over 2,000 years old right here. Still existing. But yet it doesn't function. This here is the gate to the church in a little place called Philadelphia. We, we were tired that day. We didn't even get out. We just took a picture from the window. But, but the church in Philadelphia, you know, it's like, that's it. Just some rocks. You can see the, the pillars on the ground. And, and I think it's interesting, a kind of keynote pillar in your head, because we're going to talk about that here at the end. But the pillars and the, the beauty that's there. We, we saw these churches, and they're just on the ground. And, I, and I, it makes me sad, but, you know, after seeing this morning, knowing that God knows, right? And knowing that he knows, for me, he's also a God who can raise up armies out of boneyards. He can raise up churches out of rubble. It's such a, such a wonderful thing if we really just stop and think about it. I, I don't know why you came to church today, but I'll let you know what the Lord's laid on my heart because I think you guys need to hear this. He knows. He knows that he's, he's able. And we, we have to be a people to, to lean upon him and everything that we do. Because we're not capable on our own. I, our family dealt with sickness this week. Anybody else have that wonderful sickness going around? And, and I thought I had it like earlier in the week. And then Saturday morning about 2 a.m., I realized I hadn't had it yet. <laughs> I don't think y'all wanted me making gravy yesterday, by the way. Not that kind of gravy anyways, but... You appreciate that, Jim? I, I kind of said that for you. <laughs> Guys, I'll tell you something. He knows. He knows like where we're at. We talk about what it is to be the church in McLeod. And I think I think we all want to like, we want to do great things for him, right? You know, I see it. I see it in our ministries here. Like, I see it in our worship team. You guys like, you give your 100% every week. I see it in our, our teachers of our Sunday school classes. You give it 100% every week. Some of us are giving 100%. Some of us aren't, just to be honest. And you know what? He knows. Some of us are walking strong in faith, and some of us aren't. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. But he knows, and he's capable. And I, we don't have to be those churches that we're talking about. I know it may seem like a, you know, a repeated theme through this series, but it is, right? It's a, it's a wake-up call to us today. How do we do this? How do we be the faithful and not the fickle? Because the first church we talk about there in Sardis, they were fickle, right? I mean, he goes through there and he talks about them, and he's like, you guys are just, I know you have works and you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. How would you like someone to say that about you? McLeod first, you guys look like you're alive, but you're actually just dead. 
I don't think that's the call here. I think the call for us today is to be more like Philadelphia. Hey, I know, I know you just got a little bit, but it's okay because I got you. <laughs> I think the Lord says that to us today too, doesn't he? I know you just got a little bit. I know you were just getting by, but here's the thing. You've got me. Our Lord has us. He knows. And there's this, there's this work of the Holy Spirit that we deny too much of the time. We have this promise that the Holy Spirit will help us in our trials and in our triumphs. I know a lot of times we go to the Holy Spirit or we go to prayer when things are terrible, but you realize that when we're doing great things, that's when we need to be going to. We continue to go to Him, whether times are good or they're bad. The Holy Ghost is that, that spirit of quickening, of conversion, of prayer, of holiness, of comfort. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit is all about. It's not about speaking in tongues and dancing around. I mean, the Lord may do that to you. That's okay. But, but what we need to know today is that He really he quickens us to be active. I think a prayer a lot of us need today is Holy Spirit quicken us. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us to be converted too. You think you're good enough to realize that you're a sinner? The Lord even does that for us. It's like he helps us here. Look how terrible you are. Look how good I am and you need me. And the Holy Spirit is that conversion working power there, right? That that, that he opens us. He's that, he's that comforter. Um, in our prayers, I think we understand that the Holy Spirit is there during our prayers too. Sometimes we just deny it. Our holiness isn't just about raising our hands and singing praises to God. Our holiness should be when we're not here and we're by ourselves. And the only way that happens is if the Holy Spirit's guiding us and the Holy Spirit is present. These churches, they, they didn't have it. These artists didn't have it. They weren't walking by the Holy Spirit's power. Like there, Jesus even describes himself as having the seven spirits of God. What does that mean? It means that even Jesus, he's bringing this letter to him and he's like, here, I've got the seven spirits of God, which is seven perfection, the Holy Spirit, that we have the Holy Spirit given to us. I don't know any else, any other way to look at that. What are the seven spirits of God? That, that doesn't line up with, you know, our, our Trinitarian belief system or anything. Like what it is, it's that, it's that picture that the Holy Spirit is perfect. Guys, I told you earlier that Jesus knows, right? And he doesn't just know, but man, he offers love and he offers help. And the Holy Spirit is that help today. I'm not getting charismatic today. I'm just getting real. I'm not leaving Southern Baptist just because we, we're scared of the Holy Spirit, you know? Several years ago, I read a book called The Forgotten God by Francis Chan. It was about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> a lot of times we're just like, no, that's kind of scary. It is kind of scary, but it's kind of exciting too when you see people coming to Christ. I'll never forget sending in that baklava shop and that guy gave his life to the Lord and and um and Airdare, I guess is where we at, weren't we? You walk in that shop and I and David turned to us and he's just like, Hey, share, can you share your testimony? And like the literally the only thing I said to the guy was like, at one time I was hopeless, but now I have hope. Like, you know, that's what I told the guy. Because David would always ask, Hey Daniel, what did what did Jesus do for you? And I was like, at one time I was hopeless, but now I have hope that lasts for all eternity. That's exactly what I said to the man. And he gave his life to the Lord because I said that. 
an American who doesn't speak his language, who looks different, dresses different, has a totally different viewpoint on life, has never had to live in a war zone like they have. He he's, he looks at David and he says, that makes sense and I want to know this Jesus. That's way sweeter than that baklava he made. And it was good. I never thought shredded wheat could be so good in a dessert. That was awesome. But the sweetness of that night wasn't in the baklava, even though he was known for his baklava there in Erdere. But, but his, his, his experience that night, the sweetest part of that night was that he gave his life to Christ. And guys, I got to tell you something. It wasn't because David, he's a good missionary. It wasn't because of Daniel or any of the other missionaries or Jesse or any of the others that may have shared their testimony that night. It was about the Holy Spirit who spoke to their heart. It's about a Jesus who knows. It's about a Holy Spirit who is capable. It's about a God that loves have we forgotten? Look at these pictures, and, and and I believe this. I mean, my I guess if you want to look at my eschatological eschatological viewpoint there, uh, as far as the end times, I, I believe that these places existed, right? But the same God who interacted with these churches, He's interacting with us today too. And I can see myself in all these churches. Sometimes I am Philadelphian. Sometimes I'm Sardis, though. Sometimes I'm alive and well. Sometimes I look alive, but I'm dead. Church, there is a call here. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that, that can help us. Uh, if you look through that, that, that passage there in, in chapter 3, the first part, when he's talking to the church in Sardis, uh, the first thing that Jesus says, of course, is, I know your works and all of this. I know, I know your works. I know that you look alive, but you're not. But the first thing he tells them, he says this. He says, wake up. Wake up. Think about that for a moment. How many of us are called to wake up today? <laughs> Daniel, I stayed up really late last night, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get you know some rest here in service before my team goes and plays some football tonight. I need to, I need to be ready and and and, and excited to do that, right? Tell you what, whether you're a Chiefs fan or if you say, "Fly Eagle, fly." <laughs> <laughs> Boo! <laughs> right. Whatever you say, really at the, the top of it, the priority of it all should be Christ. You're my, you're my God. You're who I follow. We have to wake up. I think last week, Joni and I, we, we again we watched the whole Grammy thing, and I don't mean to like harp on it because I see some people being really ugly about it, and and I, but I'm just being truthful about it, right? That when I watch the Grammys, um, or for one thing, I guess I'm getting old and I didn't know a lot of the songs, but at the same time, it's like, this is stuff I don't need to be listening to. Uh, there, there, was one, there was one song they actually sing, it was called Unholy. The people literally dressed up as demons, and it was, it was just very demonic. And even when you listen to the song as a believer in Jesus Christ, like something was just like hitting a wall. Like, like Mom, it was that time we were... Uh, on the mission field and we came to uh, the Zuni Pueblo in, in Arizona and, and I've been to powwows my whole life and you know the cultural thing is beautiful but when we went to Zuni Pueblo the dances they were doing did not jive with what the Holy Spirit was doing in my life like it was different I'm proud of my native heritage but it's like 
that was not anything I should glory in, and neither should the Grammys be something I should glory in. It's time the church wake up. Because here's the thing, it's really scary raising a kid in this world. People that you should trust, you can't. You know? You think you should trust them, but you can't. But who can we trust? Well, the only one who can, Jesus. We have to wake up, church. We have to wake up and we have to see he's the only one who can. Jesus, he warns that church there in Sardis, wake up. Wake up. I mean, I know Sardis had a beautiful church. They, it, it was really cool walking through there because they still had like stuff on the walls and, and, and like, you know, thousands of years later, it still exists. Like they built stuff to last back then as much as they could. You understand that those walls I showed you, I mean, they have existed through all kinds of storms and wars and, and earthquakes. They're still standing. But the only thing that matters, look at that. That's beautiful and all, but guys, I'll tell you something. That church is dead. So we need to be, we need to be waking up. In Ephesians, we read chapter five. He says, "For anything that comes becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you." Guys, we've got to wake up. Anything that this scripture does for me, anyways, when I read it, it illuminates everything in my life that's wrong. You guys believe your pastor's got stuff in his life that's wrong? <laughs> You should. Sometimes I don't have the best attitude about things. Sometimes I, I'm not perfect in what I should be. But when I read the Word of God, it shows me. And it tells me to wake up. If you woke up one day and you had a big knot on your head, what would you do? Ignore it? Well, I'm just a knothead. I mean, what, you wouldn't, some people would, right? They're just like, oh, it'll go away or whatever. I mean, the smart thing to do would be to go to the physician, right? To go to the people that can fix that. But yet, spiritually speaking, a lot of times we got big knots on our head. As Christians, we're just knotheads. And Jesus is like, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Wake up. Our call today is to follow Jesus. It's not about just coming to church or appearing holy or you know, having your name on a roll somewhere. I'm amazed at how people are so like caught up on whether their name's on a church roll somewhere or not. We had somebody this week, this past week, and they were so concerned that we give them a, a you know, a, a record of their baptism. I'm like, well, if you hadn't been here, so I'm just concerned about you first. Like I really, when, when these people contact us, I'm like, well, do you even know Jesus? Because it's, it's not about a piece of paper, Right? We've done that just to keep records. And I, guys, I'm not against it. Like, it's good, right? But, but if we base our salvation on that, it, wake up. <laughs> it's about having a relationship with Christ. It's about having a relationship with who Jesus is. And he tells them, wake up. You, you look alive, but you, man, you're just not. Second thing he tells them is to work out. I know everybody here likes to work out, right? Wake up and strengthen what remains. I think every first of the year, everybody's looking at their bodies and they're like, I need to work out. This year is going to be the year, right? Uh, this, this is going to be it. I'm going to strengthen what remains. 
Jesus is spiritually speaking, he tells the church, you need to wake up, but you need to work out too. You got some stuff that remains. You still got bones and flesh, right? Spiritually speaking, of course. But he's telling them, you've got what you need. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got me. If you wake up, now just work it out. We have to be a people who aren't just saying that we're awake and that we're saying we love Jesus, but we have to be working out the faith that he's given us. If, coming to, if, if, if worshiping Jesus is coming to church for you, that's not it at all. If worshiping Jesus is just raising your hands there in a song and nothing more than that, that's not it at all. You know, back in 1993, I went and saw a band called Nirvana. You guys ever heard of them? That was the loudest concert I'd ever been to in my life. And I remember at that concert, people just throwing themselves on top of other people and there was crowd surfing and it was this crazy like pandemonium, right? What we need in our society today are people who don't just do things because everybody else is doing it, but we do it because we serve a God who's all loving. We do it because we have, we're awake now that we're working out our faith and that we're doing what, what we should be doing. Psalm 16, I love that passage there in Psalm 16. He says, um, I bless the Lord who gives, who gives me counsel. The psalmist is writing this and he says, in the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be shaken. I like I like the Psalms because I, I think uh, for someone who's historically been a night owl my like my whole life, it's, it's nighttime's kind of when I wake up, you know. I, I can just imagine David writing these things, and he's like, you know what? The all at the end of the at the end of the day, all that matters is I need to set my sight upon the Lord. I need to put God in front of me always. I I I understand that He's at my right hand. I understand that I shall not be shaken because of who He is. But that 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 means that means we have to work out, right? It's not just saying I'm a you know, I'm a Christian or checking the box, but guys, it's it's every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to just live out because I've woken up because I work out now that God can be glorified within me. Church, are we going to be a church that's woke up or not? I mean, this is these are like good questions to ask, right? Are we going to wake up? I know we're awake in some areas, but are we going to totally wake up? Are we always going to have areas that we're just kind of like, no, no, that takes a little bit more faith than I have. It's not about you. Who knows? Jesus knows. You don't have enough, but it's okay. He's got your back, right? He's got your six. It's okay. Go go to him. Quit going to to thoughts. Quit going to uh, trying to rationalize everything in your mind. Go to Christ. Wake up. Work it out. God's given you faith. He's given you the Holy Spirit to go forth today. Let's do that, right? I don't think Sardis heard that. They may Some of them heard it, but some of them didn't. Wake up. Work out. It's like the third thing I would say there, I'm going to throw you all off because I got like four, four points today, right? It's usually three, but we're at four. Remember. What, what, do you, what do you guys think is important to remember today in the world that we live in? And we could say a number of things. I, I think we could say, well, you know, it's important to remember that we're Christians. Okay, well, let's go a little deeper than that. What about the Word of God? Do we believe that the Word of God is 100% the Word of God? 
Because I'll tell you this much, that, that there are people even in our denomination who don't really believe the Bible's all that it is, or all that we say that it is. But the denominations that are having problems right now, they have went in and they've defined what is valuable and what is not valuable in Scripture. And I want to tell you something today. What we need to remember is that every word that you have in front of you is important. Every single word. Even Leviticus, right? Even Ecclesiastes. Even Song of Solomon. Some of you are like, yes, you know, I mean, every bit of it is is good for us today. I know we, we in the modern day, it's really easy for us to kind of open up a, you know, a, a gospel or, a, uh, or one of the epistles and it, it, it kind of translates easier to us. Even the Old Testament is there for us too, right? The entirety of scripture. I know that's a, a couple weeks ago that Andy Stanley said we need to unhitch from the Old Testament. I'm like, no, we don't need to unhitch from the Old Testament. What, what's wrong with you, Andy? Wake up. Work out with the entirety of Scripture and remember that Scripture is important. What else do we need to remember? Prayer, right? Oh, we have people that pray? Well, we, we live in a society where, like, uh, we don't deal with a lot of stuff that people dealt with, like, a hundred years ago, right? We don't deal with polio. You get an infection, you go get antibiotics, and everything's good after that, right? There's, like, all these things that we have. You get hot, you turn the air up, right? Turn that air conditioner, make it colder. Gets cold, all right? We live like in a really good society in that way. I remember when I was a kid, like it was, when you bought a car, it didn't come with an air conditioner or heater in it. My first truck didn't have an air conditioner. It was a brand new 1993 Nissan hard body, cherry red pearl, sweet truck. Love this truck. I bought it. I didn't even know how to drive a stick yet, but I was like, that's the truck, right? I learned how to drive that stick and like, 20 minutes because I was like, I've got to go cruise 12th Street tonight, you know. But that truck, that first time I took it out, it was hot because there was no air conditioner in there. We live in a society where that's not, you know, I just, we expect it, right? Church, here's the thing. We should expect God to move in our lives because he wants to. He wants to move in your life. Wake up. Work out what's important. Remember that, that we need to be a people of prayer. We need to be a people of the book. We need to be a people, here's a, here's a third thing I would want to say about that. We need to be a people who stay together. We walk in unity. Hey, guess what? You're not my enemy and I'm not yours. And that would go for any believer that goes to any church that preaches Jesus. I, I attend the ministerial alliance once a month at least. Communicate with these people around town. And we got a lot of good churches in town here that preach the gospel. Do I agree with everything that they teach? Not necessarily. There's some like, uh, you know, some issues that I think we, we all disagree on, but the, the core, right? The essentials we agree on. How are we saved? It's through faith. That's it. By the work of Jesus on the cross. We may worship a little differently. We may have a different name on the door. But I think we need to remember that as Christians, we need to come together. When we were in Turkey, we met some Christians. There was a a Christian who, who owns a rug shop there, right? We connected. It wasn't because we had any similar experiences in life. He totally lived a different thing. I couldn't, I couldn't weave a rug if I tried. But you know, the bond of Christ really held us all together. We need to remember these things. 
remember that as Christians, we're not against each other. We're working on to a common cause. And I really believe this, that like in our business meetings and stuff, I think everybody comes there. And at least I hope it's true that when we come there, we all have like this common goal of seeing people come to Christ, right? We're all the same team here. We've got to quit letting the enemy try to change our minds about things or sow little seeds of doubt or whatever. And we get to have a wonderful business meeting next week. And I'm looking forward to it because I really think that if, if we're awake, and I guys, I think we're waking up. I think we're more awake than we were. I do believe that. If we're working out our faith, if we're working out what God has done for us, if we're remembering that scripture is important, that prayer is important, if we're remembering that togetherness is important, guys, we need to be there. That meeting will be great because the, our goal is to see God glorified. Amen. It's not about me. I'm not trying to make myself famous. I know you're not trying to make yourself famous, but here's what we should be doing is trying and endeavoring and putting our first foot forward to make Jesus famous in this world. Wherever we go. I think it's interesting. The last thing I would say is repent. And he tells them to wake up, to work out, to remember. But then he says repent. You know what that tells me? That we serve a God who redeems people. It's almost like the first part, he's talking to the believers there. Wake up. Work out. Remember. But then the last part, he says, repent, right? And I, yeah, I know we can use the word repent. He's telling the church to turn and walk from their old ways. But also, I believe that he's telling the people that were reading this letter, if you don't know, turn. Because we know what repentance means, right? It doesn't just mean like, I'm just going to live different. I mean, it literally means I'm walking this way and now I'm walking this way. 100% change. You're turning from the old way. And that repentance, I think that's a, that's a key thing here. What should be the goal of every ministry we do within this church, whether it's a men's breakfast, whether it's a women's ministry, whether it's a youth outreach, everything, everything should just say that we need to repent, to remind people to turn from what you're doing wrong. I have people come to my office. I have my whole ministry. And they'll call me on the phone. Or they'll text me. And they're like, man, my life's just terrible right now. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I, when I come to church, I'm just not feeling it. I, I, I've heard that so much at the time. I'm like, okay. Oh, when was the last time you read your Bible? Well, you know, I'm really busy right now. Blah, blah. When was the last time you prayed? Well, I'm, I'm really busy right now. When was the last time you fellowship with other believers? Well, you know, it's just... Uh, and I, you get that a lot. And I'm like, you, you're missing the key points to what being a Christian is really about. Like the things that he's given us to strengthen us and to make us walk better. You're not, you're not living in those. And I tell him, I say, you need to repent from those things. Repent from that lifestyle and say, you know what? I'm just going to do this. I'm going to follow Jesus with my, my whole heart. So much of the time we forget that, that idea of repenting. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you're like, man, I, w- I really wish my life was like bull on fire for Jesus. I wish, I wish it was just better. Well, repent from the things you know you shouldn't be doing. Remember those things and then repent from them. That you know, you're like, oh yeah, I don't need to do that. I'm going to not do that anymore. You're like some little kid who goes and sticks his hand on the stove, right? I can remember this. I don't know how old I was. I, I, could, I, had to, I couldn't have been very old, but I remember my mom and dad were burning leaves in the yard in Big Whitefield, Oklahoma. I don't know how I remember this mom, but I, I could have been four, three. I was three years old, so powerful brain here apparently. But anyways, I remember, I remember that we're burning like, burning leaves in the yard, just like you do in the fall or whatever. And, and I walked over to it and I stuck my hand, like I literally just stuck my hand in the fire. 
I know I was a super intelligent kid, but I stuck my, I remember like purposely like, Ooh, that looks pretty. I guess. I don't know. I stuck my hand in that fire. You know what? You know what did in my hand? It burned it. Was it this hand? It was my right hand. Yeah. So I told you, I remember, but I stuck my right hand in that fire and you know, it burns me. You know what I've never done since then? I became a firefighter. I did. I put a, I put my personal protective equipment on and I went in fires, right? And pulled people out. Oh, I did do that. Yeah. But I guarantee I never stuck my hand in a fire again like that. But you know, spiritually speaking, and even in our lives, we, re, we return to the vomit just like some dog. You know? We need to repent from those ways. We need to, to wake up. We need to work out whatever God's given us. Well, he's given us, man, this wonderful thing. I look at our church here. We have so many good, like, resources right here. Don't you agree? I'm not talking about the building. I'm not talking about our wonderful classrooms, our technology, or anything like that. We have a lot of cool stuff, sure. Look in this church. We have some wonderful resources in you. And if we're all on the same page, you know what I mean? Like next week when we come together for business meeting, we ought to just say, you're right, we're on the same page, right? Let's, let's glorify God today. And when we do it every Sunday, we come and we worship. I mean, we're not worshiping Jesse up here. I mean, he's a good looking dude and everything, but I'm not worshiping you, Jesse. You know, you, you guys can play some, you know, play some awesome guitar and drums. I'm not, not, but the thing about it is, we're here to worship Jesus, and it's the same thing with everything that we do, our business meetings, our times of class, our, our mission trips, right? That we are here to worship him, and if we're not, we need to repent. I mean, I think it's a good lesson to learn from the church in Sardis, right? You guys kind of saw a picture of what Sardis looks like today. Now, wrapping it up, look at these two pillars. I don't know how well you can see them. Um, this isn't technically Philadelphia, but it's the region. Um, Sardis and Philadelphia kind of in the same area. We visited them both in the same day. But if you look at those hills behind you there, um, you could literally take a spade and just like move. It was like, it was a volcanic like ash and, and like volcanic dirt really broke up. Not, not good to build a building on, right? These pillars that you see right here, when, when they unearthed this, um, this is the temple to Artemis, I believe, but the temple to Artemis, they built there, um, those pillars, it was dirt all the way to the top. That's a lot of work, right? And I think it was uh, Princeton or Stanford were there like in the 20s, 30s, something like that. And they worked and worked and worked. All these students would come over, these archaeology students, and they dug and dug and dug. And they still had some of their old equipment, their old excavators and stuff that was broke down. But they unearthed that dirt. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me when I think about it that can you imagine taking all this dirt out and there's hills over here. That's the dirt that they actually moved just to find those two pillars. And out of the entire complex, there's these two pillars that are standing up. The rest are broken over and all of this. Um, they think that what happened here was about AD 17. There was a great big earthquake and everything just shook up, right? And actually those mountains behind you were taller and they fell and the dirt came down. I looked it up. I was like, oh, because I, I asked David, I was like, well, the dirt that covered here, was it from up higher? And he says, yeah. And I looked it up and sure enough, in AD 17, uh, Historians even said that there was a great big earthquake and that dirt completely covered the site to where you couldn't see anything but the very tops of those pillars. But they found it. If you look back, you can't on this picture. I should have put the other one up. But if back over here to, uh, to the left, 
there's actually a castle on the hill that's falling off the hill because the dirt is so unstable. There's nothing they can do about it. They can't even save it. They've just kind of given up on it. But Jesus says some things in, re- in regards to this. And I'll you keep those pillars up there because I want us to, to think about that. Sardis wasn't doing what they should be doing. They were falling short every step of the way. He says, repent. And he gets to the church of Philadelphia and he's like, I know, I know that you got it rough. The synagogue, synagogue of Satan's coming after you, but I'm going to make them bow down to you one of these days. Really much like what Joseph heard, what God spoke to Joseph, you know, that, hey, they're going to, these brothers are going to bow down to you one day. God's favor rested upon Joseph. God's favor rested upon Philadelphia, even though it was tough. And he says, you know, I know you've got just a little power, but you've kept my word and you've not denied my name and I'm going to bless you one day. What's, what's, what happens here? Well, I think it's interesting because Jesus promises two things at the end of this passage to Philadelphia. He says, He talks about pillars and he talks about new names. And I thought, for me, when I'm looking at this as symbolism here, our society today, I believe, is looking for stability, don't you? Our our society today is looking for purpose and for belonging. You're not getting that from society. Everything changes all the time. We've we've had we've had people I know over the years, like um, Joni and I, we've been married for like 23 years now, almost 23. I'm, it's getting up there. I can't remember how many years we've been married. <laughs> I ought to be able to. We were married in 2000, but but 23 years, right? Um, 23 years. And we've over our ministry, we've had the opportunity to work with a lot of students whose families didn't exist. And those people were always kind of drawn to us, weren't they, Joni? Like, and I know we're not like perfect or anything. Joni's a really good cook, you know? I'm I'm super cool to hang around. People love me. You know, I mean, I'm just kidding. But, you know, I just, I've kind of thought about, like, why, you know, why did we have these these people that were drawn to us? You know, the, the Corys and the and the Cody's and the, you know, why did we have, like, um, some of these kids, the Justin, Justin's, uh, I just think about all these people over the years that came and, like, lived on our couch. And it's kind of sad because nowadays you can't really do this because of society, but, but there was a, there was a, I could 15 years ago that people, we just had people in and out of our house that just needed family. They needed stability. I don't think that's changed. And Jesus promises them here. He says that if you if you stay true, if you continue to follow with me, he, he tells them, he says that the one who conquers, I'm going to make him a pillar in the temple of my God. This was significant to the people in Philadelphia and in Sardis for that matter, but for this region. And really, we know that the earthquakes happen a lot in Turkey. We had the terrible one that happened. So many dead. But when Jesus writes the letter to him and he says, I'm going to make you something stable in my God's temple, in my Father's temple. I'm going to make you something. Do you think that spoke to them? Because they were used to living like this, right? And Jesus is like, I'm going to make you a pillar. And I think it's beautiful that we went to this place and there's two pillars, right? These other ones all fall apart, but there's still two pillars. And I thought scripturally, like you get all preachers, preacher E here. I could say we're two or three are gathered together, right? So we're two or three pillars are still standing. I believe God's still there. How does that happen? It happens because that thing was built right. Sure. But here's the thing. You and I must understand that Jesus promises us that we will have a time where our life will be super stable. 
that things are going to constantly be in flux or change. There will come a time in your life that things will be solid. But what do you need to do? We need to wake up. We need to work out. We need to remember. We need to repent. We need to do all these things and remember that it's not what the world's teaching us. Turn the Grammys off. Turn the music off. Turn the, 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 the pagan lifestyles that we see in our society off. Quit looking at what society's telling us and look to scripture. Look to what God says. But there's nothing more important in your life than to have Christ as your savior. We don't live in a pluralistic reality. Guys, we could say, oh man, there's all these gods around the world and sure, all these gods point to you know one way. No, there's only one way and his name's Jesus. That's Ed's. There's one way. That temple of Artemis, yeah, it was, it was kind of neat to go look at it, but I mean, that's like their finished product, what they did. That's all they could do. They couldn't do any better than that right there. The temple of Artemis. But he tells the people there in that area, he's like, listen up, guys. I'm going to make you that. And he tells them, y'all, you see the city is going to be coming down. The city's going to be coming down the new Jerusalem. You're going to see that. That's going to be something that you're going to experience. I think that was significant for people who were used to their city being changed all the time because of earthquakes. Sardis in particular was, was a city that wasn't real secure. They were always letting enemies in and they changed hands a lot of times with who owned this and who owned this and who was the leader and who was the king and who was the emperor and who was this and that. That was changing all the time for them. But Jesus brings a message to him and he says, if you'll just cling close to me, you're going to have stability. Church, we can have stability here in our church. Everybody hear that? We can be stable. We don't have to have a preacher coming in every two years and then leaving, right? I've seen the wall of shame back there, okay? And maybe it's good that some of these preachers went on. I don't know. But here's what I do know is that we as a church can have stability if we build up on the rock of Jesus Christ. We can have stability in our own individual lives if we just built it on Jesus. Guys, are we going to build it on Christ or are we going to build it on our own stuff? The simple Bartimaeus fell apart because they built it on volcanic stuff, right? Why, why, do you, why would you do that? There is a cool thing with this building, though. Uh, they built, uh, the floor is kind of, has a slight this to it. It's higher in the middle than it is on the sides. You know why they built it like that? They built it to the contour of the earth. They mathematically said, okay, to keep this from moving too much this way, if we can kind of make it align with the earth, then it won't shake up too much. And honestly, it worked for them until the mountains came down and, and covered them in dirt. But, but they, they did. It existed for like, like, I don't know, it was like 1,500 years it actually stood there. But they built it based on the earth. Guys, here's the thing. I pray that we become a people who build our lives upon Jesus. The way, the truth, the life. Have we done that? Have we done that going forward in 2023 as a church? Are we going to do that? Going forward in 2023, in your families, are you going to do that? And the Lord's like blessing my family left and right. I can't get over it. It's like sometimes me and Jody, we, we're already talking about grandbaby like like she's already here, which she is, in my opinion. I'm a pro-lifer and all that fun stuff. But 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 I think about it, we were like, I wonder where little Scarlet's at today. Well, she's in Utah. She's in Provo, Utah today, right? She's a world traveler already. Hadn't even been, been out of the womb yet. God blesses us, sure, in those ways, but 
He's also blessing us with this information today. Are we going to build upon that one true rock? You married couples, you better build upon the rock of Jesus. Your grandparents, keep your lives built upon that rock of Jesus. Your grandkids need it. Your kids need it. I need it. What the church needs is a, a unity and remembrance that we serve a God who's the one true God. Amen. This past week, I mean, in conclusion, I went to uh, I went to the state capitol. I got to go pray with some senators. I went to go pray with like uh, you know like our senators and representatives, and there was a line out both of their doors, which was encouraging to me. There was a bunch of people from our area, so I just went and picked random people that didn't have anybody in their office. And I feel stupid. I didn't get the guy's name, but I go in his office, and um, he's not like pro life or anything. I, I I looked him up later. He wasn't like one of our pro life dudes, but I went and prayed. I said, hey, I just want to pray with you. And he was just like, I seen him kind of roll his eyes. I was like, listen, man. I said, I'm just here. I said, you can listen to me or not. I didn't vote for you. I'm not in your region. But I just want to, I just want to sure, ask that you would consider pro-life legislation, but I want to pray for you. And he's like, oh, I could deal with that. And I prayed for encouragement. When I was walking out, he's like, hey, man, thanks for encouraging me today. And I was like, you bet. I feel stupid now because I didn't get his name. But then again, it's not about me, is it? It's It's about... A God who probably spoke to his heart that day. His Holy Spirit spoke to him. It wasn't too many years ago that we went up there and we were saying, hey, guys, would y'all sign sign this legislation when it comes through? And we had a governor, uh, Stick, come up and he said, yep, I'll sign anything that comes across my desk. He literally told me that when I, when I went to talk to him. I talked to, to my legislators and they said, yeah, we're going to sign this. And then praise God, like this year was the first year that Rose Day happened. And we were celebrating because abortions don't happen in Oklahoma. Man, it's beautiful. How many thousands of lives were saved this year, right? Because we didn't have abortions. It's not a political thing for me, by the way. I've got friends that I know they are like, well, abortions, what about this situation? What about, I'm not here to play what about, so I'm here to play about what does God say about life? And I believe he honors life, that he created life, and it's a valuable thing. And so, yep, I'm going to push for that. It's, it's a religion, sure, but it's more than that. It's a relationship thing. I believe God values life, and so should we. That it affects every ounce of my being, that I'm not just, you know, concerned about kids in the womb. I mean, for crying out loud, we, we've, we've adopted. So, I mean, like, th- like, that's just been a theme for our lives, just to love people. I've loved people who hated me. I, I had people at Forum would not hug me because they didn't want me to be pastor when I came there, literally, and told me. And every time I saw this one woman in particular, every time I saw her, you know what I did to her? I went up and I hugged her neck as tight as I just make her uncomfortable, you know? Because <laughs> I'm a punk that way. I shouldn't have done that. But at the end of her life, though, what's interesting, I'll never forget the last time I saw, I'm not going to say her name, but the last time I saw her, it was at a funeral that people were bringing in like food and stuff at the minute. She came up and she, that woman hugged me, you know? Well, the very next week, she, was, she went to be home with Jesus. I was like, okay, Lord, I hear you. It's not about us. It's about remembering who he is. Don't be a smart aleck and go hug people that hate you. I mean, maybe it works. I don't know, but I, maybe, I don't know. I look back and I was like, should I have done that? But God did the healing though anyways. It wasn't my hugs. God is good. Amen.